Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Wednesday. We are midweek and we are now just six days away from the midterm elections. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow me on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And I just posted some fantastic photos of me with a great Herschel Walker. I was on the campaign trail with him earlier this week. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, in terms of what I found, what I saw on the ground in Georgia, the voters that I talked to, etc. We're going to get to that in a second. But if you want to see some phenomenal and super fun pictures of that trip, check me out on social media on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore. And also on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show to Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right, really big week ahead of us, obviously. Coming up on this show on Friday, we're going to be joined by football legend and U.S. Senate candidate Herschel Walker. As I just said, I joined him on the campaign trail earlier this week, and I'm going to tell you what I found in a couple of minutes. But on Friday, Herschel will be with us right here. And you're going to love this interview, I promise. He is one of the most dynamic, interesting people I've ever met. I'm honored now to call him a friend. He's just fantastic. So he's going to join us here on Friday 
to talk about the race and where it stands and how he's doing going into the final stretch. Okay, today, another huge show, because in a couple of minutes, we are going to have an extensive and wide-ranging conversation with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about the state of the world, the biggest threats we face, the midterms, because he has been all over the country campaigning for Republican candidates, and if he is thinking about running for president in 2024. The Pompeo Crowley interview coming up, not to be missed, I promise you that. But first, the Monica Memo. So as I mentioned, over the weekend, I went down to Georgia, and I spent all day Monday on the campaign trail with Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker. I was on the bus with him, with a couple of members of his team. He's got a fantastic, very devoted team, which every candidate needs, but not a lot of them have. Very difficult to get people who are totally loyal. And, you know, over time, usually, you know, people want to be friends with that New York Times reporter and they start leaking. And I think early on, Herschel had some of that, but now the team is just completely devoted to him. And he's surrounded by great loyalists who are uh, 100% America first, as he is. I was really honored to be invited to go down there to speak at a couple of his rallies and also to introduce him which is always wonderful. So it was a fantastic day surrounded by America First Patriots. Let me say a couple of things. First of all, Herschel Walker is as amazing as you think he is. He's not just a football legend, a successful businessman, a phenomenal philanthropist. He's also a very good man. They have been attacking him around the clock over the last couple of weeks because he is an existential threat. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But he is a very good man, which is another reason why they need to destroy him. Yes, he's he's an America first patriot. He's also really smart, very tough. He's a man of faith who loves God and who also loves this country with his whole heart and soul. He is excellent on the stump. I was right there with him. I saw him talking to the crowds. I saw him shaking hands. He is an excellent retail politician. And he would he would take issue with the use of the word politician. We'll ask him about that on Friday. He is, let's put it this way, he is an excellent retail communicator. He talks about the issues. He has genuine concern for what his fellow Georgians and Americans are going through. And he's also very funny, which I'm not sure a lot of people know that, (laughs) but he has excellent comedic timing. He had these crowds in stitches. They were in the palm of his hand. You know, the day before when I arrived in Georgia, I took a look at the weather report for the next day because these events are all outside And I saw that it was supposed to rain. So I asked my friend Mallory, who works on the Herschel Walker campaign, I said, you know what, Mal, it's going to rain tomorrow. Do you think that we're still going to get crowds? And she looked at me and said, Monica, you're in Georgia with Herschel Walker. Which was so true. They absolutely love him there. He's a legend. 
He drew huge crowds wherever he went. In fact, at one point, the bus stopped at a Chick-fil-A for lunch. Gotta love me some Chick-fil-A. I don't always get it up here in New York. So we stopped, we got some Chick-fil-A, and uh, two of the campaign aides went in to get the order. And one of them, while they were in the restaurant, one of them said to the other one, oh, shoot, we forgot Herschel's Coke. I do have to tell you this about Herschel Walker. He does love his Coca-Cola, not Diet Coke, Coke. (laughs) Okay, huge, huge cups of regular Coca-Cola. It's how he keeps his blood sugar up, obviously, and how he gets his caffeine, Coca-Cola. So somebody, one of them said, oh, shoot, we forgot Herschel's Coke, whereupon there was a bidding war of people to buy Herschel's Coke for him. In the end, after all this fracas at Chick-fil-A over who was going to buy Herschel's Coca-Cola, in the end, two teenagers working there, dressed up for Halloween, bought Herschel his soda. And when he found out, he got off the bus, he spent a good deal of time talking to them and taking photos with them, and obviously thanking them. That's Herschel Walker. That's the kind of man he is. Beloved for being a Georgia football hero and for being a good, faithful man. His wife is also really lovely, Julie. She's fantastic. But this is why they keep attacking him. Yes, it's over the politics, obviously, But he's also over the target because he is an existential threat to the entire regime, just as Carrie Lake is because she's a strong conservative woman who happens to be pro-life. Well, Herschel Walker, as an African-American man and a legend who also happens to be conservative and pro-life, well, he's right over the target. So they have trained their rhetorical fire on him, trying to bring him down. And you know what? The exact opposite has happened. As with so many of these candidates, they come under attack and the people just rally right to them and their numbers go up, not down. Barack Obama went down to Georgia earlier in the week before I got there and he's campaigning for Herschel's uh, opponent, the quote unquote Reverend Raphael Warnock. And he accused Herschel of being a celebrity, which I thought was really rich, given the fact that it came from Barack Obama, who is, in fact, a celebrity. Remember, Obama did precisely nothing, or not much, before he became president of the United States. He had like five minutes in the Illinois uh, State House, and then about five minutes in the United States Senate before he became president. But there's Obama criticizing Herschel Walker for being a, quote, celebrity. I guess Obama believes that he can be the only national prominent heavyweight black celebrity in politics, right? That's his special thing. So anybody who's going to intrude on that territory is going to get it from Obama. Well, you should go and take a look at some of these videos of Herschel this week pushing back on that. I mean, he just took apart Obama. And he does it with a smile. And he does it with a really um, uh, pleasant disposition. He does it with some laughter. But he just dismantled Barack Obama. It's a thing of beauty. You know, Herschel Walker and so many of these other GOP candidates, they just don't care what people say about them. They don't. You look at Carrie Lake, you look at J.D. Vance, you look at Mehmet Oz, 
you look at Adam Laxall, you look at any of these candidates, they honestly don't care what the New York Times or the Washington Post or Barack Obama have to say about them. They only care about restoring America. You can see the genuineness in them. You can see that authenticity. You think Herschel Walker needs this? Please. Like Donald Trump, they, they don't need this. What, to stroke their ego? You think Herschel Walker, after a national championship playing in the NFL, you think he needs ego stroking? I don't think so. The man is so humble and kind, and the reason he is in this is because he genuinely cares about this country and bringing it back. The second big point here is that there is just tremendous energy and enthusiasm on the ground. And I've been elsewhere, so I can attest this is a nationwide phenomenon. But in Georgia with Herschel this week, the crowds were huge, even in the mist and the overcast uh, weather situation. Tons of yard signs for Herschel and, frankly, a ton of other Republicans. Music playing, American flags everywhere. I talked to so many people who could not wait to vote. Some of them already had. I prefer to vote on election day because I don't like to give uh, the Democrats and the left advance notice of how many votes they're going to need to make up on election night. So I like to vote on election day, but I understand a lot of people do like to vote in advance and a lot of people already had, but there were so many others who couldn't wait to vote and to get their family and friends to vote too. You could feel the excitement. It was like it was like a rock concert, right? There's music playing, people are dancing, then Herschel gets off the bus and everybody goes crazy. You see this, regardless of your candidate or where you are, these Republicans are just jazzing people because the candidates are so good. All of those that I mentioned, but a ton of people running in the House, we've got dynamite candidates this year. And so when you're out on the road, you can really feel the excitement. And I have to tell you, I could actually see the hope in people's faces that they had had enough and that change was imminent and that better days were going to be ahead. I heard it in their voices when I talked to them. I saw it on their faces when I spoke And then when Herschel spoke, I could see the hope. And I actually said to Herschel after, I said, you know, they're searching your face for hope. And he said, yeah, I see it. I see it. And he takes it very seriously. This is a huge responsibility and he does not minimize it at all. He understands what's at stake, like all of these candidates do. The reliable Whole numbers. I have to laugh when I see the New York Times coming out uh, showing Warnock three points ahead when every other poll shows Herschel Walker now leading that race. Um, but across the country, you just you, you see it everywhere with the New York Times and some other left wing pollsters. They're, they're like way out there on this, like, oh, the Democrats are winning. No. No, they're not. The reliable poll numbers that I am looking at seem to bear out what I am telling you about the energy and the enthusiasm and the sense of excitement, the the drive to go out and vote and to bring all your friends and family to vote as well, and the sense of hope that the that the act of voting is going to turn this thing around or at least start to do that. 
Republicans are leading or even in all major races, even in blue areas. We talk about this a lot, but people have had it. They've had enough with this evil Marxist revolution. They've had enough with these fascist tactics. They've had enough of having their rights squelched. They've had enough with the destruction of the country. People are done. Turns out Americans really don't want a fascist security state with a CCP-style social credit system, total surveillance, and no freedom of speech, limited mobility, skyrocketing inflation and gas prices, food shortages, and crickets for dinner. Modern communism? No thank you. We will take a restoration of America. Thank you very much. You know, guys, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that the Founding Fathers gave the power to us. This is a country by, for, and of the people. In fact, the document begins, we the people. The power rests with us, and sometimes we lose sight of that because over the years we have relinquished so much power to government officials, to government agencies, the permanent bureaucracy, the media. We just take what they are spoon-feeding to us without question, right? And when times are good, things just bubble along and nobody kind of thinks about it because you're out leading your life and the economy is booming and we're at relative peace and, and things are all right. But at a moment like this, when things are not all right, most assuredly not right, in fact, catastrophic, that's when we take a look inward and say, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be this way. And the power is vested with us to make that change. And the founders, in their brilliance, channeled rage and anger and frustration and disappointment with the way things were being run in this country, channeled it not into violence, not into riots and all kinds of mayhem, which is what the left does because they're seeking to destroy but the founders channeled it into nonviolent activity, namely voting, and the right to peaceably assemble, freedom of speech. The founders, you see, the founders gave us all kinds of escape valves, all kinds of hatches to let out societal steam. And this is one of those moments where the hatches are open and the amount of steam coming out is going to be incredible. It already is. So it's important to remember this fact. The founders gave the power to us, not to a regime, not to a permanent bureaucracy, not to a deep state, not to the propaganda press, not to big tech, not to big pharma, to us. And it's long past time that we take our power back. Let's go. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about the midterms because he's been all across this great land campaigning for Republican candidates. He's going to tell us what he has seen out there and his view of what's coming next Tuesday. So that'll be interesting. And I do want to talk to him about the greatest threats that we face in America today, China, Russia, Ukraine, obviously, 
Iran and what's going on there, and the complete breakdown in our intelligence agencies. Remember, he served as CIA director before he went to state. So I want to ask him, you know, CIA, NSA, all of the politicizing of those agencies, all of their violations of the law, spying on American citizens, does he think that those agents does he think that those agencies can be reformed? Are they reformable? Who knows? But we'll ask Mike Pompeo. And he's thinking about running for president? Maybe? Maybe? We'll ask him. So you're not going to want to miss a second of this. Crowley Pompeo coming straight up. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure to have with me today one of the most effective secretaries of state we have ever had, Mike Pompeo. Prior to serving at the State Department, Secretary Pompeo served as CIA director and also as a member of Congress representing the great state of Kansas's 4th Congressional District. He also has a brand new book coming out on January 24th, but it is available for pre-order right now at Amazon and other places, so please put in your pre-order right now. It's called Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America I Love. And he joins me now. Mr. Secretary, welcome. Monica, it is great to be with you today. Well, it's such an honor and a pleasure to have you here with me today. And, uh, you know, we've got so many issues that we need to talk about. But with the critical midterms now less than a week away, I'd like to get started by getting a sense from you of where we are. You have been out there crisscrossing the country, campaigning for Republican candidates across the board. I was out there this week, too. And the energy is palpable. Tell us what you're seeing. Monica, I, uh, I ran for office for the first time in 2010, the last time we sent Nancy Pelosi home, and the last time we had a huge wave, 70 plus Republicans in the House, we won governor's races, we won all kinds of races all across the country. 
it feels that same way. Uh, and when I say that, it, it feels like Americans understand that this is out of control, that their nation is at risk, and it's a result of political failings. And they want to fix it. They want to take it back. And so we've seen people at events all across the country from from Nevada to Texas to Illinois and Indiana, uh, just people who you didn't expect to be out there coming out saying, we're, we're not going to take this anymore. We're going to fix this. We can't afford to pay our rent. Can't afford gas for our cars. The fact that they're not prosecuting criminals made makes my children at risk. They're teaching our kids garbage in schools. All of that combined, I think, is causing the American people broadly to understand that the project, the American project that you and I have spent so much of our lives working on is at risk. And they're going to go push it back the right direction in just a handful of days. I agree with you. I mean, I think this is why you're seeing red candidates even ascend in, in deep blue areas like New York and Oregon, Illinois and elsewhere, because the American people will put up with a lot right? They will be pushed and pushed and pushed and they'll put up with it, Mr. Secretary, until the moment they don't. And just like in 1994, just like in 2010, I think we're at one of those moments now where the American people are, it's at a tipping point and they're saying, you know, you pushed us and pushed us. We put up with it, but we're not going to put up with it one more minute. Yeah, I think that's right. Monica, look, they, the, the narrative from the Democrat Party was January 6th, and Dobbs. Right. <laughs> These were their arguments. For those of us who are pro-life, we, we see the reversal of Roe as an enormously important change in American history. We worked on it for 50 years. Um, people can see that there are things that really matter to them every day. And the, when, when, when you have just the rearview mirror of January 6th to speak about, the American people aren't going to take They're not going to tolerate it. They're not going to permit their kids to be unsafe and taught that the country is a racist nation. And they're going to go say, I've had enough. You all had all the power. We're going to go take away some of that power from you. It really is incredible that the Democrats thought that their winning strategy would be to run on killing babies, sex change operations for children, and a riot from two years ago. They genuinely thought that that was going to pull them over the finish line. This is how delusional they all are. Yeah, and they, and they still don't get it. It's it's quite fascinating. Uh, I was uh, in a hotel room. I can't remember. I think I think I was in Washington State in a hotel room. I was watching the Democrat ads just a few days ago. Crazy. This that's still that's still the narrative they think they can pull across the line, calling calling our candidate extremist when she fits in the mainstream of the American conservative tradition about families, about uh, hard work, uh, about the central idea of uh, equal opportunity for everyone. And they still want to tell stories about people on January 6th and don't want to talk about the summer of 20 when there were riots all across the country. Uh, it, it turns out it's not going to work, not because of politics, but because the American people understand what makes their lives better. Yeah, absolutely. My friend Lee Zeldin, who's running for governor here in New York, Mr. Secretary, he, you know, he's facing an incumbent governor, an accidental governor, who keeps calling him an extremist. And he's turned that right around on her and saying, you know what's extreme? Here's what's extreme. Allowing murderers to roam free. 
after having a revolving door in and out with a, with no bail and so on. You know what's extreme? Killing babies up until the moment of birth. You know what's extreme? Cities in collapse. You know what's extreme? Exorbitant, extortionary tax rates in the state of New York. All of these things, they're the extremists, and they're trying to stick that label on our side, and it is not working. I am counting on Governor Zeldin. I love that place. It has been misgoverned both at the state level in Albany and in the city of New York for so long. And the people of New York from from Buffalo to Montauk, from Albany to the city itself will all be so much better when Governor Zeldin restores order and decency to that important place. And I think that's going to happen in school board races, in district attorney races, city council, county commission, you name it. I think people have come to see that the black box that they didn't peer into inside our schools, inside of our communities, uh, is at real risk, and they're going to fix it. From your lips to God's ears, Mr. Secretary. So as you're out there, obviously, the economy, inflation, gas prices, crime, cities in collapse, the wide open border, all those issues are paramount for voters. But given your experience at CIA and state, do voters talk to you about national security and foreign policy? They do, uh, because they can see that what happens in Beijing or in Kiev or Moscow actually impacts their lives every day. And they want to try and understand it and make sure that America continues to be the uh, the force for good while putting uh, America first, like we did for four years. And so they, they ask about it. They want to know when's this, um, when is it that we're going to be able to convince Vladimir Putin to behave the same way we did for four years? They are still, Monica, and this, this doesn't get talked about so much. They are still heartbroken about 13 American lives lost in Afghanistan and the fact we left Americans behind there. Uh, Those who served in Afghanistan or have family members who did can't understand how the Biden administration could have done what they did to our military and to our mission set there. So, yes, it comes up with uh, great frequency and it's about high energy prices. Uh, You know, they want to know that we're not going to go back into the Paris Climate Accords, which were crushing for so many communities all across America. These issues that seem so far away, I think the American people can understand uh, impact them at home as well. Yeah. Do you want to make a prediction about how these elections are going to go in the House and the Senate? Oh, goodness. I, you know, I've, I've always tried to avoid being a prognosticator, but it feels good. <laughs> it, would, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me if we won 25 seats in the House, uh, which would be historically important, and that we got to 51 or 52 United States Republican senators. I think we may run the table in all the states that everybody thinks are close. I actually think we're in a better place, but don't count your chickens. I hope everybody will go out and vote, exercise those freedoms that are so central to us. And then uh, then we can see where the American people landed. Oh, absolutely. And then in early January, we can at, at the very least put a stop to Biden's legislative agenda and all this insane spending leading to this crazy inflationary environment. Uh, and I know that Biden can still do a lot of damage by executive order, but at least we can stop the spending and the other legislative items uh, in its tracks. Mr. Secretary, please stand by. A lot more to cover with you. Before we hit a quick break, though, I'd like to welcome a brand new sponsor, Scoremaster. Scoremaster, the new science in accelerating credit scores, puts you in control of your own money not the bank. No matter your credit score, before you apply for any loan, auto lease, or credit, start at ScoreMaster. It only takes a minute to get started, and you could add 60 to 100 points in about three weeks. 
Life has enough regrets, right? Don't add paying higher interest rates to the list. Visit scoremaster.com slash Monica for your very special seven-day trial. Again, your special seven-day trial is waiting for you at scoremaster.com slash Monica. Again, that's scoremaster.com slash Monica. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Okay, Mr. Secretary, let's turn now to the state of the world and America's place in it. And I want to start with a broad question with you and then go from there. You know, this country faces many threats and challenges. So when you think about it and all your time at CIA and the State Department, when you think about the array of challenges facing us right now, what in your mind is the most existential, which is the one that keeps you up at night? Yes. Uh, look, I, I, I worry about Randy Weingarten more than I do about any of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We frankly got to get it right. We got, you got to get it right here at home. Uh, and we got to teach our kids about America being exceptional. And I mentioned that in the context of your question, because the, the only, uh, the only threat that risks this most exceptional Republic is the Chinese communist party. And the only ones with scale, capability, and intent to, to change the way we live. And so we need to begin to push back on this in ways that, frankly, neither Republicans nor Democrats wanted to do for 40 years. And we began to turn the page. We began to confront the problem set that the Chinese Communist Party presents to us here at home. You know, I'm so glad you raised China because that was number one on my list of uh, issues that I wanted to talk to you about with regard to our national security and foreign policy. Because in my mind, and as you know, I, I my very first job out of college was working with President Nixon during his last years. And we often talked about both the Soviet Union and the Soviet threat and China at the time. And in that period of time, it posed a different kind of threat, not nearly as existential as it does today. But in retrospect, um, you know, I think you and I might agree that the, the CCP and the threat that it poses to the U.S. and to the West and really to the globe is far more dangerous, serious and more expansive than the Soviet threat ever was. Do you agree with that? I do. And the problem set more complicated because this conflict is being fought out in the ideological arena and the economic arena right. arena. Right. And you know, President Reagan understood that too. So so did President Nixon. They both understood these conflicts are broad spectrum. But boy, the deep connectivity the the between the Chinese Communist Party and not just the United States, uh, Asian countries, uh Europe. Uh, they're a big country with 1.4 billion people and an economy almost as big as that of ours. Uh, to untangle that, to keep America safe, to protect us from this predatory Chinese activity is an enormous undertaking. And I was proud to be a part of the administration for the first time, understood that and was prepared to do the hard work to begin to right this ship. What well, we hope in the end, we hope that the Chinese people will gain back an understanding of how to operate inside a world that makes all of us better. But there's no evidence that Xi Jinping is going to do anything but what he calls continue the struggle. And when he uses that idea of struggle, he means to be the hegemonic, the singular hegemonic power all across the world. And we, of course, can't permit that to happen. 
You know, I remember President Nixon, there was one conversation that we had, again, this is early to mid-1990s, and we were talking about the difference between the Soviets and the Chinese in terms of leadership. And he said to me, Mr. Secretary, that the Soviets, they lied through their teeth all the time, but they were more emotional and more impulsive. So he said, you'd be sitting in a meeting and they'd be banging the table and yelling <laughs> and, and pretty much putting it out there in terms of what their intentions were. Whereas the Chinese leadership were far more inscrutable and they kept their intentions and their beliefs a lot closer to the vest. And I think that that holds true today where you've got Putin who is, and we'll talk about Russia, Ukraine in a minute, uh, but you've got, you know, sort of the Russians impulsively going across a border. Nobody thought in the 21st century that you'd have an old school land invasion across Europe. And yet here we are, whereas the Chinese really have kept their cards very close to their chest. And I wonder, you know, given your experience as Secretary of State in the Trump administration, which was really the only administration in modern times to take on China in an aggressive way, did you find that as well? And therefore, is it more difficult to anticipate where the Chinese are going and make American policy for a longer term vision in terms of anticipating where the threat is going and how to manage it? Monica, I think President Nixon had it exactly right, but I think Xi Jinping has changed that. And he speaks about this uh, somewhat openly now. The, the model for so long was uh, bide your time and hide your strength, uh, very different from what the Soviets did. They, they knew The Chinese Communist Party knew that they weren't prepared to confront uh, America and uh, civilization and the West. I think they now believe that it is their time. It is their time because they have advanced but I think they also think it's their time because they can see the West, President Biden, uh, not prepared to actually confront them and not capable of confronting them. And so I do think there is more peril today than there was even just 20 months ago. And they are demonstrating their power, uh, weaponizing the islands and the Spratleys. Uh, you know, we, we closed the largest spying operation ever inside the United States. It was being operated out of the Chinese um, um Consulate in Houston, Texas, their their uh, you know their embassy outpost in inside the United States, stealing stuff from Americans, and we had to shut it down because of what they were doing there. The, it is no longer the case that the CCP believes it has to wait. It has begun to expand to use its economic might and now its military capabilities in ways that uh, present an enormous threat to the American people. And I think American people get it; they can see it. They've watched China build its economy on the backs of the American worker. And one of the reasons I think we'll do well in this election is because they can see that the Biden administration is not capable of or prepared to defend them from what the Chinese Communist Party is presenting. Yes. And I also think there's a bipartisan understanding and a bipartisan consensus that we need to deal with China in a far more aggressive way. There, you know, the, this CCP threat is a Hydra headed threat and its tentacles are everywhere. So we've got China having this, this years-long expansionist drive into Latin and South America, the Middle East, Africa, and elsewhere. Does the United States need a more vigorous policy of containment as we did with the Soviet Union? I would describe it just a bit differently. What, you, what we, we need to do is simply demand that the Chinese Communist Party behave like a normal nation. So let me give you examples. Uh, 
Today, the Chinese Communist Party is purchasing real estate, American real estate, inside the United States near American military facilities. That's just crazy to let them do that. If you went out today and tried to buy uh, some land in western China near a Chinese military base, ah, good good luck. Um, If you didn't get thrown in jail, you certainly wouldn't consummate the real estate transaction. But we've just turned the other cheek. They can compete. They can list their companies on American stock exchanges. We can't list ours on theirs. We've just we've set up this special place because we we were a little naive and a little bit greedy. And uh, we saw the market as a solution and we believed that they'd become more like us. And so the task in front of us is to make sure that the whole world can see that and then to set up the structures that will protect America, that will protect the American people, our workers, our intellectual property, our capacity to communicate. We will compete in the propaganda space. We'll build a very capable military that the Chinese won't dare touch. And then we will make friends in Southeast Asia with the Australians, the Japanese, the South Koreans, the Indonesians, the Malaysians. We will we will support our friends in the Middle East as well. They will come to see that it is better to be on the side of freedom and liberty than on the side of Marxism and tyranny. And when we do that, it's a to your point, it is a massive undertaking. We need a much broader, deeper strategy. But when we do that, all of the problems that China has today, its aging population, its demographic challenges, its financial challenges, all of those problems will be laid bare. And the central idea of freedom here in America will prevail. Mm, from your lips to God's ears, but we really need the leadership to get us there, to get us to the to that point, not dissimilar to what happened with the Soviet Union, where it was pushed to a point where it needed reform, but then the reforms accelerated the collapse. Can you talk to us a little bit about the threat to Taiwan? How serious is it? What do you think the likely timetable is if the CCP does decide to move on Taiwan? And what do you think the U.S. should do? And what do you think is the likely response under President Biden? Goodness, timing is always hard, but what you have to have in American leadership is a president that is prepared to defend the things that matter. You know, my The book title is called Never Give an Inch, and that's not that you can't find a handful of places to compromise, but on the things that really matter, right? Like defending friends you've promised to defend, living up to your words with actual deeds, uh, you can't give an inch, and this is the perfect place. Uh, Taiwan is something that Xi Jinping is intent upon uh, bringing inside of the Chinese ambit. And we could take actions that present relatively little risk to the United States and prevent them from doing that. So the Taiwanese have asked for weapon systems. For goodness sakes, sell them to them. They're prepared to buy them. Uh, the Taiwanese have asked for political support from their friends in South Korea and Japan. Assist in providing that political support. Uh, train the Taiwanese with intelligence capabilities so that it makes the cost ex- exceed the benefit for Xi Jinping. Uh, If we do those things, then the answer to the timeline is, well, China will never be successful. And if we don't do those things, then Xi will see opening. He'll sense weakness. There's the old uh, Southwest Airlines line. Uh, He'll feel more free to move about the cabin. And (laughs) And we can't let him perceive that freedom. It's what happened to the Ukrainians. Putin felt free to move about the cabin. He thought there was an opportunity that wouldn't cost him. It you know, his team in the field, his military failed him, but he believed that America was weak and not credible. And Monica, when that happens, uh, bad things happen here at home for the United States, too. Yep. When the American president, who is the personification of the United States and American power, 
because he is the commander-in-chief, when he's perceived as weak, when the United States is perceived as weak, whether in real or, or perceived terms, doesn't matter. The wheels come off the world and the bad guys advance. So you can't really blame Putin for doing what he did because he saw a window of opportunity. Do you think... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, no, the, uh, think about it. So in, in 2014, Putin takes a fifth of Ukraine. And then for four years, he doesn't touch it again. And then a few months after uh, real leadership abandoned the American stage, right, was 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 pushed off the American stage, he does it again. Monica, I suppose it could be coincidence, but the truth is Vladimir Putin didn't change. All that changed was his perception of risk. And when his perception of risk changed, he inflicted enormous harm on Europe. And we can see the price that the Europeans are paying. We can see the price that we're paying here at home. Uh, it didn't have to be, and it just bre- it breaks my heart that the deterrence model from Nixon to Reagan to Trump, that deterrence model was abandoned at great cost to American security and prosperity. What do you think if you are Xi Jinping and you've just locked in another term, so basically he's emperor for life, if you're Xi and you're watching your ally Putin go across the fields of Europe with tanks, which again, nobody thought would happen in the 21st century, but you know, Putin, the Russian forces are getting bogged down, etc. And this is a protracted situation now, which I don't think Putin anticipated. But if you're Xi and you're watching this, what are the key lessons that you are taking if you were planning an invasion of Taiwan? Well, I think there's a handful, and they're not disconnected either. Uh, she will be an enormous beneficiary of cheap Russian energy for years to come, uh, crude oil and natural gas at a discount because Russia has now but one market selling to China, and they are desperately uh, in need of energy there. You know, as for the military, I think he... Uh, I'm I'm guessing that he's now gone back to his senior leadership and said, are you lying to me too, right? Yeah. Uh, That's a a little crude, but I'm confident that Putin believed based on what his military leadership had told him that they could be more successful. So I'm sure she is evaluating the capabilities of both himself and uh, those who would push back against him. But I think too, I think he's, um, I think he probably sees that the West did manage to stay together so far. I pray that it continues. Uh, in spite of real hardships in Europe, so far the Europeans have largely stayed the course, so good for them and good for the Biden administration for uh, assisting that. But I think he can also see that now the, the Americans are turning to Europe, and he may well sense that our efforts, the efforts that the Trump administration had begun focusing on this central threat that that I identified and we've spoken about, he may see this too as uh, com- complicating that decision-making process and seeing a real opening. I pray that that's not the case. Yeah, all all of us do. Uh, But they do have windows of opportunity here and they know that they're short. And, you know, there's only two more years of this Biden-Harris administration. So if you're an enemy of the United States and you want to advance your interests, you're going to take this opportunity. Okay, let's get this quick break in and we'll have a lot more with the secretary on the other side, including the protests in Iran, the politicizing of our intelligence services and the 2024 election. But first, I know it's really hard, you guys, to eat healthy every day. And I also know how easy it is to forget to eat the doctor recommended six cups of fruit and six cups of veggies every day, which is why I take 
Field of Greens. Field of Greens is powered with a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics. This is what I need to stay healthy, and you need it too. Field of Greens works fast, and if you're like me, you'll have more energy, you'll feel healthier, your skin will look healthier, and it can even help you lose weight. So join me right now and take Field of Greens too. To help you get started, I got you 15% off your very first order and another 10% off when you subscribe. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. Again, fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. We're back now with our remaining time with Secretary Mike Pompeo. Let's turn now to um, Iran, Mr. Secretary, because once again, the Iranian people are in open revolt against their regime, which is a tyranny. It's uh, the number one state sponsor of terror in the world. It is a theocracy. It has kept its people under a, a tyrannical jackboot for, what, 40 years now. And I'm watching Biden, and just like his old boss, Barack Obama, Biden is not lifting a finger to support the Iranian people because he's obsessed with reanimating the disastrous nuclear deal. What should the United States be doing right now? I mean, don't we have a strategic and a moral obligation to be supporting the Iranian people here? Both, yes, both strategic and moral. The moral is easy to see. These women are bold, they are brave, uh, and all they're asking for is to be able to live their lives in peace and express their views and live normal lives. They're not asking for the world. Uh, that's all. That's all they're demanding, and we have a moral obligation. But just as important, uh, when you think about putting America first, you want to make sure that you're doing things that matter to the American people. Uh, All that we've spoken about so far has a thread. It's around energy, whether that was China or Russia, now Iran. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we understood that the theocracy in Iran, this regime that has caused so much trouble for our friends and partners in Israel, for the Gulf Arab states, and for us, had to be contained. And so we we, we called it maximum pressure. The, the, the core thread was deny the regime as much wealth as we could so they couldn't cause as much trouble as they wanted to, whether that was the uh, Shia militias in Iraq or the Houthis in Yemen that this administration said weren't terrorists. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, the uh, They've not cut a deal, frankly, uh, an energy deal that looks like it honors some things that Hezbollah, the Iranian proxy in Lebanon, had been demanding. These folks continue to honor Iranian regime's equities and give them money. And Monica, you and I both know a wealthier Iran is a more dangerous Iran for the American people. I cannot understand why it is they want to go back into this silly agreement that guarantees Iran a pathway to a nuclear weapon. And if they get a nuclear weapon, Monica, you know it won't be long before other states in the region get nuclear weapons. And that just makes makes things so much more complicated for the United States to keep our people safe. And that's right. It destabilizes the entire region of the Middle East and really destabilizes the world. And you have no idea if the Iranian regime, who they're going to pass off that nuclear technology or nuclear <laughs> weapons to, I, I, the whole world then becomes a, an, an even fiercer tinderbox than it already is. Um, in our final minutes with you, Mr. Secretary, let's turn cl- a little closer to home. You served as CIA director 
Could you please speak to the abuses of power that we have all seen in our intelligence community? I mean, the surveillance of America, the American people in violation of the law. You've got the globalist influence, the overt politicizing of intelligence. Talk to us about how dangerous this is. And do you think that these institutions need reform and are they reformable? So I would add the Department of Defense that has begun to take on a... uh, uh, some of the central pillars of the Biden administration's views on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, instead of focusing on the mission, and so that's what I come back to. When I when I ran the CIA, we were relentless about focusing on the CIA's mission. We were relentless on protecting the privacy of the American people. It's not that we didn't have people do bad things. There's bad apples everywhere, but the leadership was guiding the intelligence community to do its job, to stay focused on its mission. Um, I took over from John Brennan and mm. the director of the FBI, who was my counterpart originally for the first period of time, was Jim Comey. These folks had risked undermining these important institutions. Uh, you know, people that are young FBI officers. Um, they're out there doing, busting drug guys in Milwaukee. Uh, we've got another kid that I know very well who's working in, in Louisiana. These are good people trying to keep us all safe. But the political leadership was corrupted. So we're going to have to go fix that. And that is going to take a change in leadership in the White House. It is going to take some uh, institutional reorganization as well. And then it wouldn't surprise me, but what it is going to take a national consensus to uh, um, to be gained on this. And I think we can, because I don't believe this is liberal or conservative. I think this idea is deeply American. And so whether it's the Church Commission or something modeled on that, that goes deep into these things and comes to restructure them in a way to prevent what we have seen in these last 20 months. And frankly, what I saw when I showed up at the CIA now four and a half years ago. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. You and I have talked about a lot of threats to the United States over the course of this uh, conversation. But to me, I don't know if you agree with this, but to me, the most serious and existential threat we face is the weaponization of our own government against us. And so none of these other things matter unless and until we can fix that problem. And as you say, we've we've got to have the leadership with the stones pardon my language, to to do that, right? Um, Final question for you. I know you've been very active on the ground, obviously in this midterm cycle on behalf of a lot of candidates, but you yourself have been active on the ground in places like Iowa and New Hampshire. Are you considering running for the Republican nomination for president? Uh, I am. We are. Uh, We're we're trying to, uh, we, the big we, Susan and me, my wife, who you know. Yes. uh, we We are praying, trying to work our way through it. We we haven't we haven't spent the time doing it because we've been so focused on the next week, making sure we get to where we need to so that the next president, whoever that is, has the has the best possible situation to find themselves in come January of 2025. In the coming months, we'll sort our way through this. We will pray. We will do the work necessary. And then if we ultimately think uh, this is uh, the right time, uh, we'll present our case and we'll make our argument to the American people. Uh, if not, Monica, just like you. Um, we're not going to walk away from this fight, this conservative fight for the things that matter to us. Uh, and whether that's an elective office, again, only the good Lord knows. Um, but this matters to the Pompeos, and we intend to stay at this for uh, until the good Lord takes us. 
Well, this country has been so blessed with your leadership, Mr. Secretary. Your wife, Susan, is absolutely lovely. Please give her my love as well. And when your book comes out, January 24th, it is called Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America I Love by Secretary Mike Pompeo. You can pre-order it now at Amazon and any other site, but get it, pre-order it now. Uh, because it's going to be a very important piece to this national conversation as we move forward, looking ahead to 2024 and bringing this country back. When this book is out, I hope you come back, Mr. Secretary. You have my word. I will love it. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. God bless. Thank you. Bless you too, Monica. So long. Wow, guys, what a show. What an amazing conversation with Mike Pompeo we just had. Incredible. Thanks so much for being here with me today and for checking out our great sponsors. We all really appreciate that. Have a great rest of your week, and I will see you right back here on Friday with another huge show. Herschel Walker will be here, not to be missed. I'll see you then. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.